2: Feeling about
1: this. Welcome to episode two hundred and twenty seven of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhardt. and Will is not here post Thanksgiving break. Sure chef will needed a a nice uh sabbatical after doing his chefly duties on Thanksgiving oh don't no anyways uh I have two people along for the ride this week we're continuing our streak of special guests celebrating and discussing the Mandalorian we'll be discussing episode four chapter four sanctuary this evening first up we have the lovely Jesse McGarity. oh <laughs> and back again uh probably the shortest gap in time since we've had him on one of our favorite guests to have on one of my favorite people to talk about star wars on and off the podcast the king of all times king tom chansky
0: i have no song or humming but thank you so much for having me <laughs> delighted uh, to be here yeah i've that's... been
3: doing that all week so yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're we're really taken with the uh, Mandalorian theme song around here.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, I am. Um, I, I I listen to it like in the morning when getting dressed for work. Nice. Do you imagine you're putting on your nice shiny set of Beskar <laughs> armor? Yes, I have to have the helmet on before anyone sees me.
1: <laughs> um, so we are going to be talking about Chapter Four of The Mandalorian. We're going to be oh, lightly discussing some new Episode Nine promotional stuff. I don't want to get into it too deeply because I've seen a lot of people who are avoiding the Episode 9 stuff at this point since we're so close. And, man, I think it's a good call because, damn, they're showing off some stuff. Um,
0: That one guy who was in the thing with the thing?
1: Yeah, and then that thing with the thing and the, oh, my God, that thing at that place, so much Mm -hmm. stuff. But mainly we'll be talking about The Mandalorian. So if you're worried about hearing anything that um, you don't want to hear because of uh, the crazy promotional machine that is Episode 9, you don't have to worry about it. You can stick around Uh, unless you haven't seen Episode 4 of The Mandalorian. Uh, Before we do that, we want to give a quick bit of business about the Kessel Toy Run, Year 3, Episode 3. Uh, In case you don't know, the Kessel Toy Run is a charity that our buddy Brandon set up a couple of years ago uh, where he collects uh, new unopened Star Wars toys and takes them and passes them out at children's hospitals around the holidays. Um, The last two years have been a resounding success. A lot of kids um, made happy during such a, you know, during a time that may not be so happy. So if you are interested in donating to the Castle Toy Run, uh, there's a couple ways you can go about it. You can go to Amazon and search their registries. And if you search the Kessel Toy Run at gmail.com, uh, you should pull up the gift registry recommended list. Jesse and I sent off a bunch of stuff to the Kessel Toy Run this weekend. And you know what we did? We just popped on that registry Went through, boom, 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 picked some cool stuff, and away it went. Um, <clears throat> and if you do that, the address is already baked in. You don't have to worry about anything but just sending it off. But if you have some stuff laying around the house that you want to send or you want to go do shopping and send it in physically, then it's really easy. You just send it to the Castle Toy Run, 3217 Carson Street, number 111, Lakewood, California, 90712. And if you want to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, just look up the Castle Toy Run or at the Castle Toy Run. Um, and that should take you to any important links that you would need for that. Well, there we go. <coughs> so uh, I guess we'll start off with the Mandalorian talk. Um, so Jesse, we haven't had you on the show since the Mandalorian started. How do you like the series so far, four episodes in?
3: Oh, I love it. I mean, it's it's definitely something a little bit different in the Star Wars universe, but a welcome little change-up. It's been really interesting. It's definitely it gives me like a samurai and cowboy vibe.
1: Yeah, and, and this, we'll talk about it in a second, but this episode, I got heavy seven samurai vibes. Oh, yeah,
3: it's very much... It's very much like a samurai love story almost.
1: Um, I got to say, this is the first Star Wars thing that's come out since we've been together where you're like, don't tell me anything about it if I watch an episode (laughs) before you or be like, you got to wait to watch that. So (laughs) that's nice.
3: I (laughs) won't make you wait, but yeah, Yeah. I don't want to be spoiled.
1: Yeah, and someone came close to spoiling something for you on episode three, and you were like, if this motherfucker spoils something <laughs> for me, I'm going to be so mad.
3: I just don't like that vague post where you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be so surprised by why, with what happens with this character. Like, I I don't want that. I don't want to... Any kind of hints in any sort of direction. Just let me go in blind and get my own feel for it.
1: Yeah, I, I've personally been trying to keep most of my Mandalorian excitement and hype super, ultra vague,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or completely contained in podcasts because I feel like if you're downloading the podcast, you know we're going to be discussing about it, discussing and spoilers. But like, yeah, some people have no chill. When it comes to keeping, like, y- you know, the, the episodes go up at like 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. our time. Um, and I see people immediately tweeting about them. The night that the first episode came out, before I went to bed, I saw screen caps of Baby Yoda. Like, the fuck are you doing?
3: Yeah, it's so crazy. And screen screen caps and no sp- tags at all yeah not not even like a mandalorian tag Mm -hmm. i don't understand that at least tag your shit so people know what to block
1: yeah yeah so tom buddy once Mm -hmm. again we haven't had you on since uh the mandalorian started how are you enjoying the series four episodes in
0: i knew i would like it because it's star wars but Mm. it is exceeding my expectations in every way i i love the show i i'm Weekly Star Wars is just this amazing thing, and it's just so well done. I like the characters, I like the settings, I like what we're finding out about him, but there's still a ton of mystery. I, th- I think I said in my voicemail last week, I'm making a point to wake up early on Friday mornings, you know, before I go to work. Um, and today we were down at my in-laws for, for Thanksgiving, and. I was going to wake up early anyway, but I woke up at like 3.30 or 4, and I couldn't get back to sleep, so I just watched it on my phone with my you know, earbuds in. Nice. That's dedication.
1: Mm-hmm. That's dedication right there.
0: Yeah, yeah man. It's just
1: uh, that first episode immediately quelled any fears I had about lack of quality in weekly Star Wars TV because right. that was the biggest hurdle I figured they had to overcome was make Star Wars, even though it is a very expensive uh, television show, especially given the length of the episodes, it's still got a way lower budget than a Star Wars movie. And the fact that they've been able to pull off something of this quality that doesn't feel cheap, that doesn't feel like, you know, uh, the original Battlestar Galactica TV show or something Mm -hmm. is really cool.
0: Yeah, or even, like, I remember I was in the audience in Celebration 2005 when when George and Rick announced they were going to be doing a broadcast TV show. And Mm -hmm. I had visions of, like, sci-fi, a show's quality that was on the sci-fi network. Right. And the, the remake of Battlestar Galactica, that was good, but it still felt like it wasn't as big budget as you would want something like Star Wars to be.
1: No and and it is it's a, it's a little bit hard to hold the two against each other because they mm-hmm. are over a decade apart by this point, right? Yes, but yeah. The CG in that Battlestar Galactica, like the remake, the newer one, not great. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is definitely not the case with The Mandalorian. I would say the CG isn't is still not up to par to feature film saga f- movie quality, but it's mm-hmm. so good. Um, And correct me if I'm wrong. So the show that George wanted to do was Star Wars Underworld, which they sort of famously put together like a bunch of writers and had like 50 scripts in different stages
0: of development, right? Yeah, they. I think they did pull in the guy who did Battlestar Galactica. Ron Moore, right? Ron Moore. They were trying to get the guy... It, um, I, I'm drawing a blank on it. Oh, uh, Robert Davis, who was responsible for rebooting Doctor Who in 2004. Okay, they wanted to bring him in, but he was, wanted to stick with Doctor Who. He wanted to work in England. Um, and there were there were a bunch of other big name writers they had on the project. Right. And the reason that show, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs>
1: excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, never came to be released was because they couldn't figure out how to get Star Wars quality on weekly TV, right? I think so, yeah. Or the budget was too high or, you know, it was some combination of all these things. So, Mm -hmm. you know, George, Uncle George, has always been this guy who, when it comes to Star Wars specifically, if he's going to do something new with Star Wars... He wants to try and push whatever medium he's working in forward, be it movies, be it animated TV shows like with the clone wars. And you would assume underworld. I really wonder what he thinks of the like sort of quality and production of the Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if he sees that and he's like, Oh shit. That's what we were trying to do. Like they cracked the code. They got it. Um, I just wonder. I wonder if we'll ever hear him say anything.
0: It, Who knows? It might be in production stuff that we don't see because supposedly don't they have these giant screens that render the effects automatically or in real time? Yeah. Yeah. They I mean they're
1: they're using some really sort of advanced technology especially for TV.
3: How how does that work?
1: So um Here's a little plug for something that's coming up. Today, I was on an episode of Steele's Mandalorian discussion with that guy, Dominic Pace, who was one of the bounty hunters. Right. And he was kind of discussing. So he used a really neat analogy. You know, Werner Herzog's office? Mm -hmm. That whole backdrop, everything behind them, that's fake. That wasn't really there. That's all LED screens. So it's these giant curved LED screens that they project the imagery on. In episode three, when the Mandos are fighting all the bounty hunters, all of that background stuff with with like the Razor Crest in the background, all projected onto these giant LED walls. Okay. Hmm. (laughs) So it's, it's really cool. I'm hoping that somewhere down the line we have a making of documentary or behind the scenes featurettes on how these
0: episodes were made.
3: Oh, that I, would be really neat.
0: Is that similar to the old technique known as rear projection? Yeah. The, the one they tried to use on a new hope and scrapped the footage. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if it's, if it's similar to that or similar to that technology that they used, I think starting with rogue one where, mm-hmm when they filmed like the cockpit shots of fighters flying, they did it on solo with the Falcon as well. And I assume, you know, probably last Jedi and the mm-hmm. rise of Skywalker, like they were in this giant soundstage surrounded by projection screens. So when, for instance, when they're flying, doing the, um, the Kessel run, like the projection screens are actually casting light on the actors in the cockpit. So like if they're flying through a nebula okay, and like the lighting actually affects them and they can react to stuff in real time instead of being like, pretend there's a giant space squid act crazy. You see what I'm saying? Right. Um, it's really neat. And I think personally, I think that's one of the things a lot of people, even if they don't realize it might feel Missing from some of the newer Star Wars is that step forward in technology, because that is something that George Lucas always did. Like when my dad talks about seeing the original Star Wars in theaters, he was like, we couldn't believe it was real. You would never seen anything like that before. The special effects were crazy. That was a big deal. And then famously or infamously in the prequels, you know, George Lucas went heavy with the CG heavy with digital photography with it. Am I mistaken? Attack of the clones was the first movie filmed entirely on digital. That sounds right. So like, (laughs) that's one thing that whether you like the CG in the prequels or not, whether, you know, what, regardless
3: at the time you would have liked it.
1: Well, he really was forward thinking as far as applying technology to filmmaking. Um,
3: I guess there were a lot of people who were upset at the time because it oh, wasn't practical.
1: Uh, I, yeah.
3: I mean, I was I was a kid. I think I was in fifth grade. So, like, everyone was just blown away.
1: Right. And uh, look, it, it never bothered me. You know, seeing The Phantom Menace is why I went to college. I was like, I want to do that. I want to be an animator. Right. I want to do CG. And that's what I went to college for. So, like... It definitely didn't bother me, but it's till this day, wouldn't you agree, Tom, that's one of the complaints you hear about the prequels is it's too much green screen, too much CGI.
3: So I can see that now just because of how bad it is in comparison to like modern CGI. It's just so jarring to see it in your face.
0: I I think it would. Yeah, it's it's one of those complaints you see, but I think it's 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 a complaint used for people who have something in their mind that's wrong but don't exactly know what they're complaining about right that something's off and they can't put their finger on it right right because you you can tell some of the actors don't always seem like they're with whatever is going on but they don't say that they just say there's you know Cg and the Cg affects the performances right or they talk about jar jar and some of the the CG creatures and things like that. Right. And you
1: know, um, it's crazy. If you look at the prequels and then look at other big budget movies from the same period, the CG is miles better. Like go watch the Scorpion King. Mm-hmm. Or watch the end of The Mummy 2 when the Dwayne the Rock Johnson shows up as the Scorpion King.
3: I'll pass. I,
1: I, me too. But I'm just saying <laughs> compare that CG to what they were doing on Star Wars and it's light years ahead of its time. If you've enjoyed a single Marvel movie, thank George Lucas and, mm-hmm. and the steps he took forward in that kind of thing. I don't know how I got on this. This <laughs> is not this. I don't know, man. The
0: technology thanks to The Mandalorian. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, let's move on to talking about the episode itself, The Sanctuary. Uh, King Tom, we'll start with you this time. What are your initial thoughts? What did you think about this episode in compared to the season? What would you think?
0: It was was different. It had a different feel because it was totally new location, new background characters. You saw a different side of the Mando. More Baby Yoda, which was great. Cara Dune. Totally kick-ass. You know, I think the fact that she's a rebellion fighter, I sided with her immediately. Uh, and I, I liked her background, how she, she she saw herself a warrior, didn't know how to be a peacekeeper. And I could see how the Man- Mandalorian related to that. I loved the, the chicken walker, the menace that posed, how they took it out. Um, it did remind me a little bit i i know a lot of people are saying the seven samurai there was a there was an a-team episode (laughs) uh that i believe also kind of take part uh, or take off of the seven samurai i think it was called either a black day at bad rock or a bad day at black rock where there's this biker gang that's terrorizing a town and the A-team make the all these booby traps, and they train the police to take on this biker gang. And it, it just reminded me of that. But it was so well done. I could go on and on about <laughs> it.
2: I'll
1: tell you what I like about the the Seven Samurai influence is, you know, famously, Star Wars was influenced by Kurosawa movies. George Lucas right. is a huge Kurosawa fan. In fact, later after Star Wars, I'm not if I'm not wrong, he helped bring Kurosawa, a couple of Kurosawa movies or produced a couple Kurosawa movies. I was yeah. reading this um a couple weeks back actually. Um and Seven Samurai is a Kurosawa movie and like the plot of it is there's this village that is constantly raided by by raiders and the raiders are planning another raid right after their big yearly harvest. So the villagers pool their money together and hire seven samurai to protect the village. Mm-hmm. You, you got to see the comparison to this episode here. And I love that that influence is still carrying over. And it's still being explored in Star Wars. And I just think that's really ni- neat for them to pick that up and continue that tradition along. So, Jesse, what do you think of episode four?
3: I thought it was really good. Uh, I think we're going to get a new Baby Yoda meme. He's definitely the new drinking tea meme.
1: Yeah, the sipping mm-hmm. tea meme. Yeah. For sure.
3: And... I, I thought it was pretty funny that it, it seemed like all the ladies were just trying to get Mando to take off his helmet.
1: Uh, <laughs> dude, uh, I, what's her name? Um, I, they don't say it in the episode, but I think in the credits it was Omara, the, the widowed lady who really interacts with Mando.
3: Yeah, and they had some great chemistry. Like I liked all the scenes between them. How do but you, she moves quick.
1: How, yeah, dude, she wanted his Beskar steel in a big, bad yeah. way. <laughs> how do they? Like, I am blown away. Like thinking about this show, I was a little worried that it would come off a little Power Ranger y, or like the scene in the first Sam Raimi Spider Man where the Green Goblin and Spider Man are talking together on talking to each other on the rooftop and it just feels a little goofy it's two masked characters and like they're sort of exaggeratedly emoting and stuff
3: they give him a lot of depth
1: i don't know how they've nailed making a masked character so interesting
3: well it's Mm -hmm. like the phantom of the opera or something he's a little tortured
1: and well not just that like the chemistry between him and this lady like there's chemistry between them and it's a a live action action figure for lack of a better term like they really pulled that element off
3: yeah like if i wrote fan fiction i would i would write about the mandalorian deciding he needs to move back there after figuring out how to stop those tracking fobs and uh they just settle down him and baby yoda and this village They can Um, catch all the blue frogs.
1: I can't remember that lady's, that actress's name, but she was really good in this episode as well. Uh, And I guess we should mention this episode directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. So um, really good. Nice to see uh, the Star Wars family of directors, like her dad directed Solo and now she's directing the Mandalorian. He had a really nice message for her on Twitter today. Um, being like we're sitting down to watch the Mandalorian now and I'm hearing nothing but good things about it. Um, so, uh, King Tom, you brought it up when you were talking about it. We get, so they've been peppering in little hints about sort of the state of the galaxy in the Republic, right? Yes. we got the one last episode where the Mandalorian and, in Carl Weathers are talking and, um, carl weathers well it was like well you could go report him to the republic and he's like the republic's a joke Mm -hmm. and then you know in this episode cara dune says after um after indoor that her and her sort of team were tasked with taking out remnants of the empire imperial warlords, and things like that but after that you know sort of cleared up she became a peacemaker and like protecting dignitaries and stuff. And that wasn't really her thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it's, it's neat. Like, even though we're on sort of the outer edges of the galaxy, they clearly not under Republic control or, you know, being monitored by the Republic. We're still getting hints at what's going on because we are in a fairly
0: unexplored area of the star Wars timeline at this point. Right? Like, Yeah, we don't really have much else immediately after Return of the Jedi. Right, and this is set even further out than the Aftermath books, like, by at least a couple of years. Yeah, has it ever been officially said? I'm getting the vibe now, it's like five or so years. So, I think it is about
1: five years, because I remember Mm -hmm. there was some confusion that originally he said seven years after return of the Jedi. And then they were like, no, that's not necessary. It's seven years after the battle of Yavin. So okay. yeah, it's like four or five years yeah. after and return of the Jedi
0: aftermath and lost stars are about one year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause isn't the battle Battle of Jakku sort of wraps up both of those stories. And that's about a right. year after Endor. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Glad I have my timelines somewhat figured out. Um, uh what was I going to say? I had some other thoughts or anecdote about the uh... Oh, speaking of timelines, this episode actually takes a little bit of a time jump. Did you guys catch that? Oh, at the very end. Yeah, like when they're hanging out in the village. Oh yeah. He goes, "You know, we raised a lot of hell here a couple of weeks back." So like mm-hmm. there's a little 2 weeks or so time jump in the um the episode. So <clears throat> It starts with them flying. I love baby Yoda fucking with the controls in the razor crest. And like he hits the two buttons and the Mandalorian's like, don't do that. And then he like looks at him and defiantly reaches over. I love that. It also makes me feel like baby Yoda is more toddler Yoda.
3: I think so. I don't think it's like an infant. infant. Yeah, Yeah, because he's
1: walking, he's eating on mm -hmm. his own. He clearly understands instruction, right? Like, wouldn't you say? Yeah, He's like
3: the, I I would even say he's more like a three-year-old than even like a two-year-old. He seems like he's starting to get his shit together. 50 years in, he's starting to get his shit together. They definitely do call him a he several times this episode. Yeah,
1: I think they established in the last episode that it's a he Yeah. for the first time. That's when they firmly established that. Um, I also love when... Well, another interesting piece is we get our first um, confirmed planet name in the show. Because Mm -hmm. there was the whole, is that Tatooine? And it turned out not to be Tatooine. What's the name of the planet?
0: Tom Tarvala uh, seven or something something like that. It's, it was on Queel's bio on star Wars.com. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I figure they'll just pepper that information as, especially once you get like a art book that they'll, they'll, have... I
1: can't wait for oh, all yeah. that. Yeah. Stuff. It's going to be great. I'm hoping they do prints. Cause there's a couple of the art pieces, the
3: like the credit art.
1: Yeah. The, uh, if they did prints of those, Uh, They had a good
3: one this week. Uh, It was a Baby Yoda, but I can't remember. I know what it was.
1: It was Baby Yoda and the the Loth Cat.
3: Oh, yeah. That Loth Cat.
1: Dude, Mm. I was not expecting a live action Loth Cat in this. Like, they're doing a really nice job of peppering in these little weird things like that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely putting just the enough little really strange bits i love the Jawas so much i love you know yoda and or baby yoda and his affinity for frogs and all yeah. that stuff mm. the little tadpoles in this episode or whatever it is that they're harvesting
1: krill those are neat which i didn't realize i didn't catch this until i re-watched it before we started recording they take those and then they brew booze with them
3: <laughs> huh
1: So, like, you know those big vats of glowy booze that the Raiders have? That's made from those little glowy shrimp.
3: Okay. (laughs) What do you think shrimp
1: beer tastes like?
3: Oh, disgusting.
1: Really salty. It's like, uh, have you ever been to a crawfish boil or a crab boil, King Tom?
0: Yes, I have.
1: Imagine the water
0: (laughs) Water. that those are boiled
1: Uh. in, and then you're like, (laughs) make this alcoholic. Just put some – I wonder if they add Old Bay seasoning to right. it. Yeah. Oh, man. I'd put Old Bay seasoning on
0: beer. I, I wish we had some right now. Uh, I, I did want to say about, about the Lothcat, that – seeing that made me think they could put anything in live-action Star Wars and get away with it now. So, Tom, I want
1: to – I'm glad you brought that up. I totally agree with it. I did think it weird, it was weird that it kind of looked like it had human teeth. Like, besides its fangs, the teeth in the middle were very human-like. It reminded they, me of people freaking out about Sonic's teeth in the <laughs> the live-action <laughs> Sonic movie. Um, <clears throat> but, so I know this is completely different, and it's not technically live-action, but you finished up Jedi Fallen Order, right? Yes, I did. In Jedi Fallen Order, you see Cal's former master, jaro Tapal, i believe his name is and, yes and he's a lasat yes he which is, is zeb yeah. from rebels mm-hmm. and so it's not live action but you're seeing a much more realistic take hmm. on mm-hmm. that alien type
3: is he the same color
1: yeah he's he's got yeah. the purple going on it's a little more muted
3: well i wondered if they would vary like, you know, a lot of species, they'll look the same, but they'll, they'll vary in color, like Twi'leks and I mean, stuff like that. Even lookies
1: and stuff, really? Yeah. Like, they have different... fur. Yeah. Vir- so, yeah, they could do that, but it makes me think they could pull off one of those guys in live action if they wanted to. Well,
3: I'm hoping for Ahsoka.
1: I, I think hoping- it's a matter of time. I don't know that it's in The Mandalorian, but I think with the popularity of that character, that it's... Only a matter of time before we see live action Ahsoka somewhere.
3: I've convinced myself that it could be the Mandalorian just because of that one flashback scene. Now, I know you've I've heard several people say that it could just be the armor, but which also makes sense because she sort of drops some some hints like she's known him a long time. She does sort of sound old, but it could also be plenty of people that you haven't seen live action before.
1: It Mm -hmm. could be, I mean, the possibilities are endless. And Filoni's involved. Yep. And we know Filoni has a hard time of letting go of Ahsoka, you know, for better or worse in some cases, like he is very attached to that character. Understandably so. Um, So I'm glad you brought that up. This, I wanted to ask both of you this. There's the scene with, The Mandalorian and the widow lady in the hut. And she's asking him, like, when's the last time you took that helmet off? And he's like, yesterday. And she's like, well, when's the last time you took it off in front of someone? And he explains, like, when he was a kid. And she was like, you've never taken it off in front of somebody since then? And he says, like, "Um, well, the Mandalorian. I was grateful because the Mandalorians took me in after my parents were killed. Now, he doesn't specifically say The Mandalorian saved me. But is that a hint? Could be. That that's what happened? Is that he was in that moment, he's going to be saved by the Mandalorians? I don't know, but I'm trying to not get too crazy with my theories about who's going to save him in this, this flashback. And I heard that and I was like, Oh, is that some sort of confirmation?
3: I would say most likely he was saved by the Mandalorians. And that's why he's, like joins with, up with the foundlings. So are foundlings literally just foundlings, like kids that they find that are orphaned
1: and that 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 they then adopt. I kind of right. we discussed that with Jeremy when we talked about the first two episodes and I don't know. I you know, there's so much left to be expanded on and explained. It could very well be that. Um I just think you have such a cool opportunity To do a neat Star Wars cameo. One that would make sense. You know like. I like Solo. The Darth Maul thing. I do like it because it ties in. The animated stuff. And it makes it feel like a cohesive uh, universe. But
3: it's insane.
1: It's insane and it doesn't make a lot of sense. For the regular movie going audience. That's not 100% in on Star Wars. You know. So like I feel like if you wanted to do something crazy. Like a a Jedi cameo or something like that. That moment is the perfect place for it. What do you feel, King Tom?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be either a a Obi-Wan or Ahsoka or the Armorer. Okay. And the Armorer would make more sense story wise with especially the hint they laid down today, like you were saying, where, you know, he was a foundling and, you know, he, he, he we got the sense that he was not ethnically a, M- a Mandalorian. But I think big picture payoff slash tie into the rest of the Star Wars galaxy. I think the last episode you'll see either Obi-Wan or Ahsoka. Yeah. So this
1: raises a question. If he's not born a Mandalorian, you know, not born into a clan, right, but is adopted, does that leave... It opened for little baby Yoda to be adopted and become a little Mandalorian. Yeah, is he gonna I get his about own that. own helmet with ears. He's got to, right. Like mm. th- now we're talking about my fan fiction. I want to write a <laughs> hundred years in the future from the Mandalorian, which is way past even the sequel trilogy. Mandalore is re, you know, refounded. Uh, re- like Mandalorian culture is built back up, and who's there? Little teenage Yoda. In his suit of Baskar with his little helmet.
3: And He'd mobilizers. be the, the best bounty hunter or Mandalorian in general ever. He'd have so long to train.
1: He, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, yep. I, I love it. I, I did want to ask you something, Hawes, especially with what we've learned last episode, this, this episode about the whole helmet thing. How do you reconcile that with all of the other Mandalorians we've seen in Star Wars who, just take their helmet off and are fine with it yeah it
1: it raises a really interesting you don't want to say contradiction right because right it's it's unexplained and and there's plenty of room to explain it but yeah in in clone wars and rebels are filled with nothing but mandalorians that take off their helmets in front of other people
3: right and it's <laughs> not like filoni's not gonna bring that up
1: right and if it was somebody that wasn't filoni working on it then i would be more inclined to be like, eh, that's a little bit of a contradiction, but you got to figure this guy who's been so involved in canon depictions of Mandalorians and Mandalorian culture has some thought process behind this, right? So yeah. my guess is, <clears throat> I, I feel like there's a few ways they could go, right? One could just be a simple explanation that this particular culvert of Mandalorians or sect of Mandalorians, that's how they roll. That's their mm-hmm. own because they do establish in Clone Wars that there's different clans among Mandalorians, Clan Wren, Clan Vizla, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So yeah. maybe this is just their, you know, tradition or and, and I think this might be the preferable way to go. This is something they've adopted
0: post Imperial Purge mm-hmm. as some Although sort of reaction. Sabine is not wearing hers in the last scene of rebels
1: yeah and i
0: still think that purge is
1: post rebels okay i think the purge is a reaction to the events of rebels like operation cinder like part of that maybe even pre that like you know like rebels and once again i'm not i haven't watched those episodes since they aired so i could be wrong but like the whole basis of the mandalorian storyline and in rebels is sabine's clan sort of rising up and rebelling against imperial control of mandalore right because there's yeah the, there's the two factions there's the imperial mandalorians who when the empire comes into to play join up with the empire and then there's the ones that refuse imperial control yeah and i'm kind of wondering if after rebels the empire is like oh yeah you want to fight against us now? Mm-hmm. You want to... We're purging you. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've got...
0: How how far out would you say the end of Rebels is from A New Hope? Well, the, the last episode, I think, is about a year. But the final scene takes place after Return of the Jedi.
1: Right. And it's some sort of undetermined time yeah. after Return of the Jedi. So, I think you have seven or eight years of, of timeline to explain whatever this Imperial purge is. Yeah, that's um, a good point. I, I don't know why I'm just convinced that the purge is post rebels and sort of a reaction to the events
3: of rebels. Okay. So here's a wild theory. Okay. What if it's just this specific clan mm-hmm. because they're not actual Mandalorians, but they bring in all these other foundlings.
1: Oh, so you think it has something to do with being a foundling, uh, okay
3: yeah i don't know
1: i could kind of see
3: yeah that's a lot to explain though yeah but they've got
1: you know uh what are we talking four more episodes this season and an entire at least second season if and not and i feel more. like
3: we're gonna get little clips into the mandalorian's life
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. I, I think you know uh I'm glad they're not just sitting down and info dumping all of this on us at once. We're getting drip fed and totally, you know, slowly figuring this out. And honestly, the purge could be simply explained in like a visual dictionary or something. They may not go into any great detail in the show. Hmm. Um, Hey, Tom, have they
0: a- announced any kind of tie in books or anything for the Mandalorian yet? You know, I was just thinking about that. I can't recall. I don't think they have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's a bit of a struggle with there being the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this winter and things like that. So maybe we can look they, forward to something like that in the springtime when once they, Rise, Rise of Skywalker
0: is out and stuff. They have announced a handful of books for next year, and they've also kind of lined up their comics through April or mm-hmm. so, but nothing... Tied in with the Mandalorian, although we're supposed to get the Project Luminous announcement and other stuff coming in January, supposedly.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Man, I'm interested to see what that turns out to be. Yeah. I don't know if that would have anything immediately to do with the Mandalorian, though. Cause it kind of sounds more like a force in general thing. Yeah, I don't think it will. I, I think unless, that's unrelated. Unless it's baby Yoda. Oh my god. Ooh. Yeah, did, I, I just realized that too.
1: Did you just think
0: of that? King Kong? I just thought of that. Yeah,
1: that could be cool. I mean, and when you think like luminous, when you hear that term, you think of Yoda saying, "Luminous beings are yeah. we?" Right. Uh, what if Project Luminous is all baby Yoda related? Oh my
0: god! Wow,
1: that would be some really advanced, like ahead of time thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, uh. He lands on this planet. He goes to the local bar. Um, uh, I liked the bartender lady who's like, oh, <laughs> not many people here on Sargon. And, uh, he's like throwing credits at her and, um, he orders Baby Yoda some bone broth. Then we see Cara Dune for the first time. And, um, um, uh, he thinks she's a bounty hunter. She, he thinks she, she might be there for him. She goes disappearing, and then we get something really cool: first-person Mandalorian view, where we see what he sees through his visor, and he's got like this thermal scanning where he can see your footsteps and stuff. I thought that was pretty neat.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: A little glitchy.
1: Mm-hmm. In in uh Star Wars fashion, like all the. The technology looks a little dated. It looks a little 1970s MS-DOS or something. You he know? just got <laughs> a
3: helmet upgrade, though.
0: No, that's the same helmet he's had. Oh,
3: yeah. He already was silver helmeted. Yeah,
0: yeah. Didn't he say something to her about the 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 chest piece, the electronics being messed up or something? Uh, in in uh, the last episode. Yes,
1: he says that his armor lost its... Uh, what does he say? But he does mean like when he when she's like, we can make you a whole cureus. He's like, my lo- armor's lost its integrity. Yeah, uh, and I don't. I'm guessing his his previous chest plate wasn't Beskar, right? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so either. Um. So, yeah, we see that they get into their little. We're not friends yet. We're but we're gonna fight, and then we're gonna be like, oh, we're cool with each other. A neat little fight scene. She's real badass. I've already seen angry YouTube boys pissed off. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, oh, she's sudden. Oh, 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 so, oh, she's as, she's as tough as the Mandalorian. Oh, oh, oh. Get woke, go broke. Oh, 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 oh. SJWs. Oh, oh, oh.
0: <laughs> yeah. More like soy DeLorean.
1: Oh, oh, Dude, don't give them any ideas. Hopefully they won't <sighs> listen to this.
3: Well, I feel like. Um, most of those factions actually are enjoying the Mandalorian for the most part were 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 until the ladies started directing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. That was, uh, who could have guessed that the minute the, a lady directs, they're like, Ooh, I don't know about this. And then
3: too many women, the
1: fourth episode comes along and there's a kick-ass lady. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, it's gone down the toilet. You really fucked it up. Disney. She gave him cooties. Yeah, it's the cringiest shit and so predictable. I remember telling someone uh, a couple years ago, almost a couple years ago, uh, when everybody was freaking out about The Last Jedi and people were being real shit bags about The Last Jedi. I'm not saying just being like, I didn't like it. I mean like being sexist or racist or any of that fun stuff. Um, I remember telling them like, yeah, this is probably going to go on until Captain Marvel comes out and then they're going to freak out about Captain Marvel. And what happened? King Tom, they freaked out about Captain Marvel. These shitheads are the most predictable dumbasses in the universe. Mm -hmm. Anyways. um, Then they have their little talk. Oh, baby Yoda sipping the soup.
3: Yeah. Just walks up sipping his soup.
1: I wanted to post that and be like, uh, Me on Thanksgiving while my family has some ridiculous fight or something. That was my, but I didn't want to, you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to jump the gun and spoil it for someone, you know, but, Mm. um, adorable. They become friends. Uh, Mandalorian goes to head out because she's like, you know, I'm here. We probably both shouldn't be here. I didn't really understand the reasoning behind that, but you know, it's, it's one of those plot, uh, ideas that moves the story forward, so it doesn't really matter. But it seemed a little silly that she was like, well, we both can't be here.
3: Because they're both sort of hiding? Was that the... I guess. Huh. Yeah, that's a little... Every once in a while, I do see those things where it's like, you're clearly just moving along the story.
1: Right, which is fine. You know, not everybody is sitting there watching this going, oh, I got to talk to Jesse and King Tom about this tonight. I got to <laughs> really take notes, you know, so... <laughs> It's totally fine. Um, that's when the farmers meet him at a ship. And you recognized one of these jokers.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Pillboy from. Pillboy. Yeah, he's in uh, The Good Place on NBC. He right. plays oh. Jason's best friend, Pillboy, ah. with an I. B-O-I. <laughs>
1: oh, nice.
3: Yeah. He works at an old folks home because sometimes they give him Vicodin's thinking it's candy
1: is that really a thing yeah he's oh, like it's pretty-
3: nice here the old the old ladies they sometimes give you what they think is loose candy but it's actually Vicodins.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so um they convince the Mandalorian well they try to and he's like that's not enough money um and then they say we'll, we'll give you lodging which that's what the mandalorians look for like he's he, he even says to baby yoda like we'll chill chill out here for a couple of months and just lay low now, this is another thing I wanted to ask you guys. So it's established last episode that everybody has a tracking
3: fob. Which seems so weird. I've, I rewatched watched uh, the second episode today, or the first episode and the second, but the whole interaction he has with uh, Werner Herzog, it just comes across weird if that dude's given out a million fobs.
1: Right. I mean, I, I it makes sense in that they really want that baby Yoda. Yeah. You know, but, but why? he's acting
3: like he's so special because he's a Mandalorian that he's the only person he would trust with this job.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I get that. But my question is, is if everybody has a tracking fob, why would the Mandalorian assume that anywhere would be safe for a couple of months?
3: Right. Don't you have Could to it... figure out how to stop that?
0: Yeah. Could it be something that it only works in a certain range range? Yeah, that could definitely be it.
3: Probably so, because they do give him the last known location. Oh,
1: and that's true. And you could explain how we're jumping ahead a little bit. But one of the bounty hunter shows up on Sargon Mm -hmm. and they kind of explain it like the Mandalorian says we raised a lot of hell. That's going to bring attention. So I got to get going. Right. That would mm-hmm. make sense as to how that bounty hunter ends up on Sargon, as he hears, yeah, you know, rumors yeah. or something that
3: there was a big hubbub, and,
1: and that a dude and because grief Carga says, or not grief Carga, uh, the armorer says to the Mandalorian, this armor is going to draw a lot of eyes.
3: Oh, mm-hmm. of course, you see so, him coming.
1: So that, yeah, actually, okay. See, you guys have helped me with that one little question I had. I like this. (laughs) So he goes and gets uh, Cara Dune, enlists her. They go back to the village. We get, uh, you know, the lady at the village trying to, uh, you know. Take his helmet off. (laughs) Maybe she found somebody to uh, settle down with. Look, Mm -hmm. if a Mandalorian rolled into my village and I was single, I'd be like... (laughs) Hello.
3: You want to stay here? Help me take care of my kids? Let's farm this land?
1: I, I got this cat named Walter. He could use a, <laughs> a dad or a
0: mom. I mean, he could be a Lady Mandalorian.
3: You got a baby Yoda. Just settle down with
0: us. <laughs> yeah. um, and she catches his eye because she's like the only decent shot in town. Yeah. Yeah. And so when,
1: when he and Cara Dune start training them, it's established that she knows how to use a blaster. I want to know what the backstory yeah. is behind. that. How yeah. does
3: she know?
1: Um,
3: I don't think.
1: And maybe, you know, I I'm like this with IG-11. I'm like this with Carl Weathers. I'm like this with Cara Dune. I don't think we've seen the last of this village or that character.
0: Village, maybe her, no. I think we'll definitely get more more of her.
1: And I definitely think we're in for more Cara Dune at some point, too.
0: That's
3: one of the things I'm most, I I don't know if I'd say confused by, but just intrigued by, is how are they going to weave all these stories together? I definitely like, feel like we'll see more IG-11, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's going to be linked up with Cara Dune and The Mandalorian. And I don't know. I don't know. Is baby Yoda just down for the adventure the whole time or are they going to drop him off somewhere? That.
1: Okay. So this <coughs> raises a question for me. Is this season solely concerned with the safety of baby Yoda? Obviously, that's, you know, the the central plot point. But what I mean is, is the baby Yoda storyline wrapped up by the end of season one? Does season one end up with him taking baby Yoda somewhere where he's finally safe for good like maybe figuring out a way to eliminate however the tracking fobs work or maybe he takes out everybody that wants baby yoda right if that's the case then are people going to be less inclined to enjoy season two if baby yoda's not along for the ride i don't know Hmm. there is an interesting and i don't know if you saw this king tom there's an interesting Hint to maybe baby Yoda still being around in season two. I don't think I, I noticed. So anything. Ryan Johnson, they, mm-hmm. you know, he's out doing press for knives out and they asked him about baby Yoda. And he said he was on the set of the Mandalorian just a couple weeks ago and saw the puppet for the first time. Oh, so no, I didn't hear that. You know, if the puppets not being used in season two, why is it? Why would it not just be in storage? They wouldn't just have that thing sitting around the set, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it yeah. kind of makes me think maybe Baby Yoda's still around for the ride in season two.
3: I feel <sighs> like they would sort of try to finish one big hurdle. Like, maybe figure out how to take out the tracking fobs, but not have him settled yet. Right. Like, uh, right. partially mm-hmm. wrap it up, but, you know, they still... I think that they want to keep Baby Yoda around for a little bit.
1: I It's such a big hit that I would almost think
3: it's they would. It's given.
1: Yeah. And mm. for anybody out there that's like, I want Baby Yoda merch. Well, there's a, little, there's a little light on the horizon today. Some listings for more Mandalorian pops leaked. And there's a regular sized pop for the, the child and a 10 inch.
3: That's almost life size. That
1: is life size, yeah. I would say, right? Oh, I got to get that. And uh, as someone who was like, I'm not buying more pops unless they're (laughs) bounty hunters or Mandalorian, there is a chrome Mandalorian pop coming, (laughs) a blue chrome Mandalorian pop coming, a heavy infantry Mandalorian pop coming, a Mandalorian on Blurg pop coming, a a Mandalorian with fire gauntlet pop coming.
3: Can I just say I hate the crumbs? I think that it is only to make you buy more pops like there's no fucking point in having 17 different colors in chrome
1: yeah it is a tale as old as time especially with star wars variants it's like steel always talks about Malibu
3: takes it to a different level
1: like uh that simpsons episode with malibu stacy where they're oh, yeah. like
3: she's got a new hat Oh, yeah.
1: That is Mm -hmm. 100% Star Wars merchandising from the beginning of time. Small head Han, big head Han. You know, hollow tube, Tusken Raider filled in Tusken Raider tubes. So, yeah, and I'm the sucker that sees that and goes, I got to get that.
3: Oh, I -hmm. need a blue chrome and a gold chrome.
1: I mean, I have three different chrome colorways of just boba fett
3: yeah how many boba fett pops do you think you own
1: i have every one they've ever made except for one which i will never own because it's six hundred dollars and that's the droids boba fett
3: Hmm.
1: oh it was i think one of the one of if not their very first like san diego comic-con exclusive boba fett pops like a while ago that they did Hmm. that one and it's crazy expensive
3: Well, I have all the Bob's Burgers, Pops. Yes, you do. All eight of them are (laughs) are many.
1: Um, So they go to sort of investigate where these raiders are coming from. And they're like, something has sheared the branches off these trees. And they come across a giant foot. And before they say it, I go, A-T-S-T. And then Cara Dune goes, Atst
3: immediately after it was pretty funny.
1: Um, Tom, is that the first time we've heard them use the term Atst? I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was ever said in Rebels, and, or definitely not in Return of the Jedi. Right? No. Yeah. No. I thought that was. You know what? The bit the the fandom is going to freak out when they say either at at or atat. Yeah. In in one of these shows or a movie. I,
0: I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get a chicken walker reference.
1: Right. Right, because chickens are canon, by the way, because there's mm-hmm. chickens on indoor.
3: So let me ask, this group of raiders—that's just how did they get that ATST? Is it just because the empire's broken down and now people are like, that is a good question. Picking them up places,
0: yeah, that like pawn shops. I mean are...
3: salvagers and stuff. Right. Like, yeah. these people.
0: Shrimp, shrimp beer is a lucrative business. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. And that's when they sort of devise their their plan on how they're going to protect the village. They're going to b- dig a big pit. The ATST is going to step into it and fall down or fall over. They're going to train people how to shoot blasters and and fight with uh, spears or basically pointy sticks. So you get sort of the training montage, which I thought was fairly well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um. What did you think? We'll start with you, Jesse. What did you think about the raid on the Raiders village?
3: Oh, I thought that it was pretty good. It definitely, it gave me a little bit of what's the Game of Thrones battle where Tyrion's planning all the shit? Like, Uh, we got to take the chain in underneath.
1: Oh, the battle of Blackwater.
3: Yeah. It gave me vibes like that in the planning sequence. And then, I mean, at that point, I seriously was just like, Watch it. It, It's just funny because I've seen that dude play Pillboy. (laughs) Right. Really recently. I've been rewatching The Good Place. I've just binged it all. And then watching him like run around and fight. It was pretty amusing. So that sort of or took me out of it a little bit. Watching it.
1: I can see how seeing someone like that.
3: Oh, and he's so goofy looking with his teeth. And I was also thinking, what if this lady, the girl in the village what if she pulled up the Mandalorian's helmet and it was just Pillboy underneath there? <laughs> Would she have the same reaction?
1: Yeah, like, you, you're taking some risks here, lady. Yeah. What is, what is,
3: you're you're look, literally saying, take off your helmet and stay with me forever. Mm-hmm. You've never even seen his face.
1: It could be anything under there. He could be dad jeans under there.
3: Could be <laughs> Pillboy. It yeah. could be
1: Guy Fieri under there. It could be Rocky Dennis under there. You don't know.
3: I also, uh, the title Sanctuary reminded me of The Hunchback of Notre Notre Dame, which I watched on Disney Plus this week. And at the end of that movie, he comes out and he's screaming, Sanctuary! Oh, really? Sanctuary!
1: (laughs) Um, Could be him. It could be. And look, it would be real fucked up if he did take his helmet off in that scene and she was like, Eh. you know what? Let's keep the helmet on. (laughs) Let's go ahead and put that back on. You can drop all the other armor. Um, And I guess for anybody that was wondering, they definitely answered how Mandalorians eat. They take their helmet off. Just not in view of everybody. But was it not a little risky? He's standing there at the window of this hut. And she brings (laughs) him a nice little cheese board with some crackers. Did you notice that? It's a little hunk of cheese. Right. And some crackers. Well, it looked wonderful. But he takes his helmet off right there in the window. Anybody could just look up and be like...
3: He's literally watching everyone out yeah. of the window you can see like all these little kids and the lady and baby yoda any one of them could just turn and see the dude without his helmet then he screwed for life
1: yep he can never put it back on
3: well i mean at least at least he has his lady
1: <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so uh what'd you think about their raid raid on the raiders what'd you think about the big sort of final battle against the raiders Th- the
0: when they first went to the, the the Vats area, I was confused by the bomb because I didn't notice the lights at first. I was going by the sound, and I mean this the 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 fight was really cool, but the the bomb bit was weird. When they brought them back to the main village, I it was very well done. There was a lot of tension with will the ATST take that you know final step. And then when Cara Dune just took the disintegrator and started shooting straight into the windows that that was, you know, to kind of egg it on, that was just very well done. Yeah.
1: I, I really like that. And I, you know, I thought it was a, a nice move for them to have the ATST, just not immediately walk into the pit and, and fall. Like that's a good way to build the tension. I wondered if right. they
3: had a spy or something at first.
1: Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, so, I know the toy, the A-T-S-T that they did for the show, comes with a Clatuin raider. But I, okay. don't, I wouldn't say all those guys were Klaatuins, would you, King Tom? Like, the the main one that gets a lot of face time at the beginning in the first raid looks more like a Lord of the Rings orc. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I've
3: never they, seen orcs in Star Wars. Yeah, he looks
0: like an orc <laughs> eye. They, yeah, they did they didn't all look like one species. Um...
1: Yeah, yeah, Uh, which I prefer because I did feel like the big battle at the end of the first episode when he rescues Baby Yoda, like him and Mm -hmm. IG-11, all the guys felt a little samey to me there. Yeah. So it was nice to see some variety in that regard. Yeah, I thought the ending battle was cool. Um, You know, they, they found a reasonable way to explain how all these raiders and a giant ATST don't just come in and annihilate these these farmers. It seems like they took a couple of casualties, but you know enough to continue to survive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then it cuts to what is basically uh, like a two week time jump. They're hanging out on the porch of the Cracker bar- Barrel having their morning coffee. Um, and Cara Dunes like, you mean to tell me you're not going to settle down? With the beautiful widow and live your life uh, out here in in uh, this farm. You're crazy. Uh, and then that's when he decides like, nah, I'm going to move on and I'm going to leave baby Yoda here. And I was like, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't leave baby Yoda. Don't do it. I was so upset at first. Like in episode three, when he goes to turn baby Yoda in, I knew that wasn't where that story ends. I knew he was going back for baby Yoda before a second. I could see that be like, I was like, Oh, this is how they get baby Yoda. And like my mind's racing and I'm like, well, if baby Yoda stays, then what's the story after this? Like, where does it go?
3: Well, he would have to go back. I would think.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after that is when they start showing this other bounty hunter show up who uh, I, it didn't turn out to be, but initially I thought it was going to be, King Tom what's the character's name in uh solo that in the beginning is like chasing solo is oh the, Molo- Moloch? Moloch. I thought that's what he was gonna be is one of those aliens oh because
0: the silhouette looked kind of similar right it yet yeah, it did it did that's wow it's an I, I hadn't thought of that but I could kind of see that um did
3: they even show really what he looked like
0: kind of
1: kind of I don't remember that it, um and this this evil motherfucker is trying to, is about to snipe baby yoda mm-hmm. and uh they i did think it was kind of weird or kind of like samey they pull the same thing from the first episode where they fake you out and think that IG 11 shoots baby yoda and then it shows you that the mandalorian shot ig 11 they it's make, gonna be an ongoing gap. Yeah, they make you think this bounty hunter shot Baby Yoda, but Cara Dune shot. Did I? Th- you're shaking your head. Yes. Did you catch that, King Tom? Sort of like the similarities between that and the IG11 scene. I I
0: did notice a little a little <clears throat> bit something similar. Yeah, but yeah. I I had a feeling that he wasn't. They weren't gonna snipe Baby Yoda. Oh, I,
1: dude, you want to talk about the most depressing episode of television <laughs> ever happened. If that's how that episode ended. As mm-hmm. much as I love this show and I love Mandalorians and I love Boba Fett, mm-hmm. I th- I
0: would have been distraught. Yeah, there would have been like Star Wars fan wide trauma.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: At least we're not in like the old days of TV where that would have been a commercial break.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Or it it could have even been a who shot J.R. moment where oh, that's yeah. the end of the season, you know? Yeah.
3: And that's a, that's a big like soap opera sort of turn or like a 90210 <sighs> type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think 90210 did something very, very similar to that and ended a season two. Oh, really? Yeah, where somebody got shot and you're like, did it, did it really happen?
0: Now you have me nervous for the end of this season. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised
1: if there's some kind of big cliffhanger at the end. I don't know if it'll be that, like if they'll go that route, mm-hmm. but uh, it could be. Yeah. Um. All right. <clears throat> So that you know, shows the Mandalorian like, hey, I, I can't leave him here. So he and Baby Yoda lay, er, load up. They say goodbye to everybody. Um, he says bye to Cara Dune, and then they're on their way onto the next episode. Um, what do you think, King Tom? More Cara Dune down the line? There's got to be. I think so too, man. I think so too. I think if you want my. Honest opinion. I think we've been getting little hints of uh, his crew. His crew. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of this season, he'll have a crew assembled. Yeah. I don't know that Quill or how Nick Nulty, I don't think he'll be part of it because they made such a point to be like he spent his whole life serving other people. And now he's not interested in doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Mandalorian was like, I totally respect that. But I think Cara Dune's going to be part of his crew. Kind of think IG-11 is going to be part of his crew. Yeah. So, and
3: Baby Yoda. And Baby
1: Yoda. So I think it's only a matter of time before these characters start getting reintroduced. And it may even be you know, more towards the end of the season. You know, the season may kind of end with How them. many
3: episodes do we have?
1: Four more. Oh,
3: shit. That's a, so much to weave in still. We haven't seen... Uh, the dude that plays Gus Fring. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen. I mean, I know it's just one episode, but Bill Burr's character. We haven't seen any sort of team up, which they've shown footage of in trailers and teasers and stuff.
1: Uh, uh Ming Na Wen hasn't shown oh, up. Yeah. Yet. Oh I forget yeah, forget she's in it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of characters that we know are in the show that haven't shown up yet. Um,
3: is she a good guy or a bad guy? Don't know.
1: We don't know.
3: In she's the- going to be a bad guy.
1: I think she's going to be a good guy. And I say this because the one clip we have of her is her going, your name is going to be legendary. Oh. And that doesn't really sound like something a bad guy would say to the hero, right?
3: She would just make a badass villain. She
1: definitely would. I think she's going to be a badass regardless. I love her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. So I'm
0: really excited to see her part of Star Wars. I think she's going to be in a multiple episodes i could be
1: wrong well right when they did that entertainment weekly article with her she said the character's story evolves which makes me seem like it makes it feel like it's not just a one-off episode with her she may even end up being part of the crew which i'd be totally down with too she's an assassin
3: he needs a crew i mean he's just all by himself in that ship Mm -hmm. i mean having to babysit baby yoda while he's Mm -hmm. driving
1: one of my favorite memes that I've seen from this episode, uh, I actually just sent it to Will, is, um, you know, at the beginning with uh, the Mandalorian holding baby Yoda while he's piloting. Uh, the the meme says uh, what it feels like to be a gamer dad. And he's sitting there holding <laughs> the controller with the baby in his <sighs> arm. And I was like, oh, will will, will will appreciate this. Yeah, I bet he can relate. Uh, he, he said, ha ha, that's exactly what it's like, is what he said to me. <laughs> Um, So, King Tom, now that we're halfway through the season, where do you want to see the rest of the season go? Do you have any theories? We know that you are he of the Lando quatrain. Oh, boy. No no pressure here, right? Right. I mean, look, I got to say, like, you took a half-court three-pointer shot with the L3 becoming part of uh, the Millennium Falcon's uh, computer system, and... You sank the basket. So <laughs> what do you think here? What what do you got for us?
0: I have, I have to go with the obvious here. I think the bounty hunter who showed up at the end of this episode set the Mandalorian off. And he realizes that really no place is safe for him or Baby Yoda. And the only way he can stop it is by going back to where it came from. And going one level above uh, Werner Herzog... Going to um, Giancarlo, Esposito, Gus Fring, uh, Moff Gideon? Yes. Is it? I'm guessing that Gideon is behind all of this. And the Mando tries to take him and his forces out.
1: Yeah, and we know we got some TIE fighter action coming at some point. Maybe some
0: Mando uh, jetpacking. It kind of, like, I've seen that... That one clip from the trailer looks like he has something on his back which is propelling him. Mm-hmm. It does. It looks like he's using that and his grappling hook.
1: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah, I feel like either, like you said, uh, Moff Gideon is a step above Werner Herzog, which would make sense because he's a moth, right? Yeah. Or there he's called in to deal with this problem. Like he's an enforcer uh. or something, but I think you're probably more correct that he's like the man behind the curtain or the next man on the, you know, the higher man on the totem pole or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. I, I, you know, I think it's pretty firmly established that this is sort of a man on the run story at this point, but eventually he's going to have to take the fight back to them. And I think you're right. I think we're going to see that. And I think somewhere along the way, he's going to run back into Grief Karga, Carl Weathers. Um, I just have a feeling that the, those two bars of, of Beskar are destined to be part of the Mandalorian's armor in some... Because he still needs one leg plate. One leg plate. Oh. And he can put
3: his good. signet on that.
1: There still is the issue of the signet, too.
3: Yeah.
1: I'm wondering if eventually baby yoda will be left with the culvert like if they're going to be who's taking care of baby yoda um which would keep him on the show you know anytime the mandalorian goes back to visit his mandalorian buddies baby yoda will be there i just and
3: hope he doesn't die
1: the mandalorian yeah. or the baby, baby
3: yoda? yoda
1: i hope so too i hope but not if- to um
3: I think we have ho- oh we can at least hope that he'll be in season two, but I don't know longevity wise it just seems be... like
1: such a dark thing to do on Disney plus is to kill that's a true baby. you know like at some point you got to take the realities of the platform and the company into
3: what about some sort of self sacrifice in the force though mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like he's just over overwhelmed with the force power that he uses to save someone. Oh, I hope not.
1: I would be so sad.
3: That's how I think they would do it. I don't think they would shoot baby Yoda. Oh, no, definitely like not. point blank in the head. <laughs>
1: um, I think with baby Yoda, it raises so many interesting questions because he does live so long, you know, by the time of, of the sequel trilogy, He's not going to be full grown Yoda yet. You know, he's going to be preteen Yoda. I don't, you know, it's hard to say. But if the storyline is that Baby Yoda gets taken to Luke Skywalker and is part of his right. Jedi Academy, that story doesn't end well either. You know? Maybe mm.
3: Baby Yoda's in episode nine. That would be. That's not going to happen. Bananas. That would he's, be...
1: he's the one unrevealed Knight of Wren. There's just a <laughs> tiny baby Yoda, Knight of Ren.
3: That would be crazy. No, uh, I wasn't thinking that he'd be with Kylo. <laughs> I <It> was just... <laughs> like, baby Yoda's joined the dark side. Oh. He's he's an angsty preteen.
1: Yeah, he's all like, if you guys heard the new My Chemical Romance eating. <laughs> yeah, it's eating?
3: definitely his emo phase.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Um, so we want to pick up a... We're running a little long because you know, we love talking about the Mandalorian, but I did want to bring up one little rumor that's been going around. Um, and I know this is the rumor du jour to throw out. There is, Oh, so-and-so is getting a Disney plus series, you know? Oh, uh, Will Roe hood is getting a Disney plus <laughs> series. Oh, uh, uh, Malakili is getting a, a, a Disney plus series. But in the last week since we recorded last, there has been a report, and this is one of those you take it with a grain of salt because, like I said, this is a common thing to say so-and-so is getting a, uh, a Disney Plus series. But the newest rumor is that there's a Dr. Afra Disney Plus series in the works. Now, Jesse, I know you're not a comics person, but you're familiar with the character yeah dr afra she looks cool she does look Mm -hmm. cool and i'm not by no means uh, completely read up on my dr afra but i enjoy the character a lot in the stuff i've read her in now king tom however uh, he is a star wars comics guy why don't you fill Me and Jesse in on any gaps in our uh, Dr. Afro knowledge. What do you think about the possibility of a show, et cetera, et cetera, buddy?
0: I think it's – obviously, I think it's a great idea for a show. It can be – some. I think all of the the types of shows that we are going to get, Cassian, Obi-Wan, Mandalorian, they're going to have different – feels, Mm -hmm. uh, different takes on genres. I think Afra can definitely give you something that the other shows won't give. She's not really a soldier, although she 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 has worked for the Empire for Darth Vader directly. Um, She's kind of involved in in the rebellion a little bit, too. But her character is she's a scholar. She's an archaeologist, but one who plays on the wrong side of the law. So you could have a show that is about traveling the galaxy, treasure hunting, digging up ancient Jedi artifacts. Um, she's a very I, – I, I, don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but she's a very snarky type character. Um, not – I wouldn't say she breaks she, – she's like Deadpool but not in a breaking the fourth wall kind of way. Just in a she – She's says quick what, and she's, she's quippy. Yeah, she's quick and quippy, and that's not everyone's bag in terms of Star Wars, but the the, the comic book is very well-written. She's a very well-written um, character. She's Her character model is based off of an Asian. Um, she's either a lesbian or bisexual a character in the comics, and it, it's just a – You know, I I love all I love most of the Star Wars comics I've read, but it's it's just a different type of book. And I think it would translate very well to a TV series.
1: Yeah. And I the one thing I've seen people saying, like, in response to this rumor is like, why would they do that? Like nobody but hardcore Star Wars comic readers know who Dr. Afra is.
3: Why not? That's their Marvel. Yeah. And
1: I'll tell you why it works because if Marvel can do Moon Knight as a live yep. action series on Disney Plus, I love Moon Knight, but mm-hmm. Moon Knight is the epitome of a and this is not an insult to Moon Knight or Moon Knight fans like a D or an E list Marvel character that only hardcore Marvel comics mm-hmm. fans know, if he can get a Marvel uh, a live action Disney Plus series, there's absolutely no reason that Doctor Afra can't be Star Wars's Moon Knight on Disney
0: And exactly, and this is the type of thing you want to see because we are used, you know, Star Wars has been the movies have been driving things. And they should be the big product we get, but we should also have success stories or other characters, other stories generated from other Media like we are getting with the Mandalorian. Dr. Afra is a success story in the comic books where yes. she's a character started in the comics who she was started in the Darth Vader series. Then she kind of graduated onto her own series. So it's only natural that the next step is to live action. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I would be so stoked if they do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, King Tom, do you have anybody in mind for to play Dr. Afra? I only have
0: one. I, I do not.
1: Mine is, I believe her name is Chloe Bennett. She's another Agents of Shield actress. She plays Sky oh, okay. slash Daisy. She's sort of the main character of Agents of Shield. Okay, um, she's Quake is who she ends up becoming. She's like right. the hacker lady in the first couple of seasons. That then they find out she's uh, she's got uh, superpowers and all this stuff. I think she could make a pretty cool. Dr. Afra, and with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wrapping up she's gonna you know she's gonna have the time
3: I can never mm-hmm. see people in roles like before I, n- I never cast my own movies
1: I don't I'm not great with it either this and that's why I only have like one you know in mind that comes to mind when I think of someone to play that role so yeah I think it'd be really cool if they did that and uh I don't know We'll see. We'll see. I think it would be a big step forward and would only open the door for more literary or comic characters that we've not seen in live action to then be featured in these series. And I think that just opens up a lot of cool possibilities.
3: I mean, that's a character I'd definitely watch. Yeah. Yeah. I Seems would be, like right up my alley. Yeah.
1: I think it would be really cool. So I hope they they do it, and and uh, if if that's the case, I hope we hear an announcement about it before too long. <clears throat> I hope it's not one of these these cases where it's rumored for years and years, like Obi wan and then finally gets announced. You know, I hope it's it's further along or or it's you know. soon. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, do you guys want to move on to some voicemails and some emails? Sure. All right. Well, let's hear a little tune before we do that. All righty, this is uh-huh. this is working
2: wonderfully tonight. I could sing it.
3: No, oh, I'm she not really did. gonna sing it.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is this not playing? Oh my god! Our <laughs> voicemails and emails not gonna play tonight.
3: Oh
2: no!
1: All right, well here's Jim.
2: I wanted to say that that was, a couple episodes ago, finding out that uh, that Will got married and had a kid all in one uh, episode was a lot to take. And I just want to say congratulations on everything, um, and I'm very happy for you, man. Uh, but Star Wars related, uh, I was I've been watching you know the Star Wars movies nonstop since Disney uh, Plus came out, and in, I believe it was Return of the Jedi, uh, Yoda said that he was training Jedi for 800 years. So that means about the time he was 100, he was proficient enough to actually start training others. So, baby Yoda um, should be uh, able, I mean, he should be pretty good. I think he's going to age quite quickly. He's not just going to be 10 years old by the time he's 100. uh, I'd say he's going to be, you know, in his 20s, basically. So, Just want to know what you guys think about that and how fast the age aging is going to start changing or you think for five seasons he's going to basically be a baby. But uh, anyway, uh, you guys have an excellent day. Happy Thanksgiving and Ignite the Green.
1: You know what? I never thought about that. Like, yeah, Yoda was training by the time he was 100, which is 50 years. So double baby Yoda's age, basically. Right? Mm Mm-hmm yeah so either a uh, baby yoda was like baby or like the actual baby yoda See, this is where it's going to get confusing <laughs> was like uh young einstein <laughs> where by the time he was a preteen or like a, a young child was able to train other jedi
3: young einstein was brewing beer and having mishaps
1: is that what that was?
3: Have you ever seen that movie? No. Young Einstein? No, yeah, I, I just, mean, he's brewing beer. I've only seen it once, but that's all I, I remember. And he blows his hair out like crazy, like Einstein you see <sighs> in all the pictures. But it's just from a, a chemistry mishap. How,
1: <laughs> how does that interface with a 100-year-old a Yoda and the age of baby yoda from the mandalorian that's interesting
3: i'm not gonna lie i got a flash from like twilight um, when he was describing that (laughs) (laughs) because at the end of twilight i don't know if you've ever heard taylor lautner's character in the book whatever his name is werewolf imprints on a baby yeah that shit is gross they explained this half vampire baby to quickly age from a baby to about 20 years old. And then she stops aging and she lives like that for a long time. So it's fine for him to uh, fall in love with the fetus. That I did get that gross. flash. Mm. Yeah.
1: Wolf. Mm-hmm. What do you think King Tom? What do you think about hundred yeah. year old Yoda training?
0: I'm kind of blown away by that idea because I hadn't, you know, noticed or thought of that. And, I think either they rapidly accelerate their mental growth in the second 50 years of their life or Yoda is some type – or Yoda Prime is some sort of prodigy. Yeah. I I wouldn't have said Young Einstein. I would have said Doogie Howser. Doogie Howser. Yeah. Doogie Encyclopedia Brown. Nice.
1: Uh, Yeah. Good question. I'm going to be thinking about that for a little bit. That is a good question. All right, so next up we have an email from our buddy Neil. Uh, an email that either came in after we recorded last week or I missed it. So if I missed it, I, I do apologize, buddy. Hey, Halsey and Will, It's been a while since I wrote in, but I've continued to listen to you guys weekly, and your podcast is something I look forward to every week. Thanks, buddy. The episode of The Mandalorian was good for so many reasons, but there are two I really enjoyed. The first was when the Mando had gotten Baby Yoda back from the client's bunker and all the tracking fobs were lighting up for the other bounty hunters. This reminded me so much of the ending of John Wick 2, and it was a great touch. I never made that comparison, but that is an excellent comparison. I'm obsessed with those John Wick movies. The other one was... um, you div- the other one was divine from the heavens like the bearded force mystic that you are, Halls. The battle with all the Mandos was amazing. I especially liked the big bruiser Mando and his chain gun type weapon as well as the Mandalorian's comment about the jetpack as he was leaving the atmosphere. This ep- episode did leave me with some lingering questions. Will the Mandalorian still be able to work for the Bounty Hunter Guild or will he be want- a wanted man after what he did? Will Grief carga bring holy hell down on the Mandalorian and will involve a reprogrammed IG-11? Did Dr. Pershing get enough material from the baby to accomplish his goal? Or did the Mandalorian intervene before that occurred? This show has me feeling like a kid again, looking forward to Friday for new episodes, just like TGIF back in the day. Thanks again <laughs> for all you do, your friend in the forest, Neil. Thanks, Neil. Um. <clears throat> so, yeah. I don't think the Mandalorian can work for the Guild anymore, at least for right now. Something tells me he broke like one of the big bylaws of the Bounty Hunter Guild, and they're not going to be super willing to just be like, ah, I don't know, man, you're really good at your job. Why don't you come back and work for us? What do you think, Tom?
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I, I think there were probably multiple sins committed in that episode, and I think that's one of them. Probably the, the biggest in terms of the Bounty Hunter Guild. Um, What do you think, Jesse?
3: Yeah, same. I mean, he's not going to be a bounty hunter anymore. He, I mean, he can do other things as a Mandalorian.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I just, and and in some ways it's kind of surprising to me that his identity as a bounty hunter is sort of taken off the table so quickly in the series. But on the other hand, like, I never wanted this series to be just bounty of the week every episode is him taking out a different bounty. Like that would be, I I'm just not into that. It's like when Buffy does monster of the week episodes, yeah. like sometimes those are pretty weak. Um, I think grief. Carga definitely has a role to play. We've talked about it a little, this episode. And I think he, you know, maybe that's where he comes back into the story Is he's assembled. Maybe he's part of like how bill Burr comes into the series. Oh you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Like maybe he assembles a bunch of different bounty hunters and they go hunting the Mandalorian. I just feel that eventually he's going to be cool with the Mandalorian again. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I like Carl Weather so much yeah. that I don't want him to be against the Mandalorian cuz I don't think that turns out well for him if that's the case, you know. Like
3: <clears throat> He could definitely uh turn sides though. He could be part of the crew too.
1: Jesse, do you think they got enough material from the baby?
3: I don't. I don't know. Um, I hope not. I definitely hope not. But uh, he was there overnight. I.
1: It's hard to say. He was there for a while.
3: I mean, how long does it take to just stick a baby?
1: Well, see, that's my thing. I don't think they got the blood sample because that droid the droid with the needle arm or whatever. There was nothing in that syringe and he blew the droid up. So, and it's, why is that
3: not the first thing you do?
1: I don't know. Uh, and the other thing is, is if they got everything they needed, why would they still need the baby? Why would they be so?
3: Maybe they don't want the baby out there
1: or that, whatever they're trying to get from the baby to get in other people's hands. Yeah. What do you think King Tom?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think they got everything they needed from him. It it was a night, a day at most, Um, although that armorer has got to work quickly, I guess. But I think they, they need him for more. Yeah, I don't know that the Doctor will want to keep working on him, though. Right, right. And I wonder if Dr. Pershing has fur- a further
1: role to play in this, too. I'm not sure.
3: I don't really feel like we'll see too much from him directly Yeah, in the future.
1: Yeah, I just wonder who is going to give us the information of what they need that baby for. Yeah, that's true. He would be a a candidate in the story to tell us that. All right, next up we have an email from our buddy Billy Bob. Hey, Hall's and Will, just stopped by to say that Jedi Fallen Order is crazy. I just picked it up Sunday, so I was late getting to it, but it's so fun, and I ended up playing it for seven hours so much to do in it and i just made it to Dothamir. so i can only imagine that it gets better really like it so far besides that i wanted to stop by and say happy thanksgiving and hope you guys uh and hope y'all and all the moisture farmers have a great thanksgiving may the force be with you josh
0: aka billy bob king tom we didn't get to ask you how was your thanksgiving it was it was good thank you um had you know uh my wife's parents house went down there with the kids and some of her brothers I made uh I I, I cooked made prime rib. Ooh, it went very well. Ooh, I love a prime rib. Yeah. Yeah, we went to
1: Jesse's sister's house uh, mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving and I have to say Jesse's sister's planning and execution was fucking top notch. Like nice. We got there, right, about 11 and she's like, "Yeah, we're going to eat around 2." And I'm used to, you know, most like family holiday like you know oh we're going to eat around 2 and that might turn into 3, 3.30 depending on how everything's going together I'll mm-hmm. be damned if we weren't eating right around 2 like executed wow. she always
3: does a great job of planning she is a master of not just planning but getting shit done if you need someone to get shit done for you that's who you call
1: yeah yeah and um, Keith Uh, Our brother-in-law smoked a turkey on his pellet smoker. Okay. And dude. So I'm a big fan of my family for 15, maybe even 20 years at this point have been frying turkeys for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I love a fucking Cajun fried turkey. It's so good. I never thought that I would like anything on the same level as fried turkey. But dude, this smoked turkey was so good i was blown away like keith is a grill master as it is but i was not expecting just by nature of turkey to mm-hmm. like it as much as i did because i'm not a huge fan of roasted turkey you know like right it's you really got to do it right so it's not dry and kind of like unappealing <clears throat> but man smoked turkey it's where it's at it was really good
3: and I made a cheese board and a chocolate cake.
1: And I hit that cheese. Like I made a rookie mistake, right? So she put the cheese board out and I was like, oh, I'm just going to nibble on this a little bit. And like I had so much of this cheese board and this veggie platter that by the time actual Thanksgiving around what came around, I was like, oh, I'm already kind of <laughs> full. But you know what I did? Soldiered right through. Soldiered nice. right through all the way to dessert and uh, fell into a coma when we got home. Mm hmm. And then I, I was like sleeping soundly and I was laying there. And I don't know if it was a dream or if it was one of those half dream, half awake fugue states, but I got like a bolt of inspiration for a Christmas present for Jesse and was so excited to get up and order it that I couldn't sleep. Like, because like this, I, I have this, I wouldn't say anxiety, but like, uh, you know, when it comes to Christmas shopping and stuff, like I like to, strategically find the perfect gift for somebody you know what i mean And yeah like, i try to go off the beaten path even like i'm not gonna do an amazon wish list i'm gonna try to do something that i come up with that they'd really like so when i have one of those bits of insp- inspiration i couldn't stop thinking about it good so. <clears throat> man prime rib sounds awesome though um all right So we've got a couple more emails. Uh, Next one's from our buddy, James Yarko. Howdy, guys. So my kids and I were chatting about the end of the Skywalker saga and what that means going forward. Obviously, Lucasfilm could loophole their way into more episodic movies by saying the Skywalker saga is over, but Ray's saga is continuing. But, and God help us if so, what if Johnny is right? What if Ray is indeed a Skywalker? By the way i'm firmly in the camp that she is not and even more firmly in the camp that i don't want her to be what does that do to these characters we've all grown to love here is my thought i think we'll end up with a poe dameron disney plus series to me he would be the most interesting character to continue to follow and i could see oscar meyer You did that on purpose, James. Mm -hmm. Nice. Signing on to reprise his role for two to three seasons, showing Poe as the new leader of the Rebellion, having taken over for Leia, his struggles to unite the galaxy, and get himself into a little mischief along the way. And of course, I think we'd see an appearance or two from his BFF, Finn. (laughs) If this is indeed the route Lucasfilm goes, and we get one live-action series revolved around a character from the sequel trilogy, who do you think it would be, and... Who would be your preference? Keep up the amazing work. We're in the home stretch, y'all. It's almost here. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and I'll talk to you soon. King Tom, okay. what,
0: um, what do you think there, buddy? I I think there's a lot there, and I'm I'm just gonna try and try and answer it. Uh, in terms of how I heard it, first I. I agree, and it's a it's a very hopeful agree because I don't want this to be it in terms of the story. I want more movies. I want the continuing adventures of Ray. I want to know the effect that she had on the galaxy. And I think I think at some point we will get that. Um, as to whether they call it part of the saga or not, that's that's up to them. I would love a post series, although I think Oscar Oscar Isaac is going to be very busy. Cause isn't he starring in Dune?
1: He is, which I think is already filming. Yeah. Um, but if that
0: takes off, that's
1: a new franchise, you know, like they, they can Right? am I mistaken? There's a lot
0: of sequels to Dune in book form. And yeah. Stuff, right? There are a ton of books and everything. And I, I mean, he's, he's a great actor. He's very in demand. So I, I would love to see him. I just don't know how practical that is. Right. Um, in a perfect world i think that could be
1: crazy good i just wonder if the post episode 9 territory will be off limits for anything until they decide to do movies in that that era you know yeah yeah um, i i get to see that my my preference would be if if they were if like just living in a fantasy world they were going to do this uh, mine would be ray rebuilding the jedi order
3: yeah, but yeah. are they going to tell that story in that form? I feel like we will see Rey in movies at, at yeah. some point in time or I at least too. they will tell her tale. Right.
1: Right. Uh, so, I'm I am definitely in the camp that episode 9 is not the end. There will be an episode 10 eventually and we know, you know, they've confirmed that that the Star Wars movie for 2022 is still on the table. I don't think that's episode 10 i love king tom's original thought of episode 10 comes in 2027 for the 50th anniversary of star wars like i love symmetry like that and how that could line up and i do think the easy way around that is to say it's episode 10 the beginning of the such and such saga it's not the skywalker saga but it's the you know Legacy of the Jedi saga or whatever, you know, to pull a fucking OU term. Um, right.
3: You know, it'd be a cool show to do on Disney Plus, though, would be a prequel with Holdo.
1: That would Ooh. be cool. My one of the shows I would love to see on Disney Plus is an X-Wing fighter pilot show. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, almost like a, a World War Two Fighter pilot show and it could be set in the original trilogy it could be set in the prequel trilogy like there's in in you could do black squadron you know and then if you do that you don't have to have poe in every episode but you could have oscar isaac stop by to make some cool cameos resistance Mm -hmm. style i think that would be a lot of fun yeah <clears throat> All right, we got a couple of uh, emails left, and I am getting a low battery uh, <laughs> warning on the recorder. So we are going to try to breeze through these and wrap it up for you guys. This is from Willis. Ahoy, hoy. How would you feel if it turned out that the actual Yoda was the father of baby Yoda? Imag- I imagine you're saying, oh, hell no, right now. But let me paint a picture for you. We flashback 50 years in time. Yoda is seen from behind walking into the Jedi Council room. Master Yoda, Mace Windu says, I see you've entered your breeding cycle. Something that happens to your species every 300 years or so. We cut to Yoda from the front. As a result of the potent daddy hormones surging through them, Yoda has grown a full handlebar mustache. He also wears leather trousers, no shirt, and nipple rings. (laughs) Okay in response to this question yoda lets out a sexual groan that goes on sorry guys i literally uh cursed us and the reporter (laughs) died right at this moment so back to willis's email we cut to yoda from the front as a result of the potent daddy hormone surging through them yoda has grown a full handlebar mustache he wears leather trousers no shirt and nipple rings in response to the question yoda lets out a sexual groan that goes on for three whole minutes He then takes out a flick comb, gives his mustache a quick tidy and says, likes the fuck this guy
3: does.
1: (laughs) I'd ask you now to reconsider the question. May the force be with you, Willis. Willis, buddy, you took us on a journey there. Do we have any like I, I can't text Evan and be like, hey. I need you to whip up some artwork for me. <laughs> oh, and because, you know, Evan, best guy in the universe, would be like, yeah, buddy, what is it? He's actually got a really cool shirt idea in the works right now. Uh, and I was like, all right.
3: Yoda with nipple rings? <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and knowing Evan, he'd like, in text, he'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, I can do that. But in, in real life, he'd be like. What is this guy asking me to do? And then, like, I got to go into detail on like the exact shade of green of Yoda's nipples. Compare
3: <laughs> which uh, which nipples you want for the final product.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, i I made them uh, different layers, and I'm thinking. Uh, How
3: big do you think the areolas are?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> does does Yoda have baloney nipples, or are they like little, uh, just little baby nipples?
3: Oh, and he's sort of old and like saggy. Yoda's a little saggy, so.
1: Nah, he's in shape
3: well i mean i just buff yeah i i i'm i'm assuming he's got a little saggage going on in the nipple area
1: no he's like ron popeel he's like super buff (laughs) um hey king tom before we move on to the next email can i ask you a quick science question you're a science-minded guy uh i guess if two people oh my god were able to put their buttholes together do you think they could pass a fart back and forth I'm gonna to have to pass this on to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, he didn't answer me, so I guess I need to move the... <laughs> I think. So <laughs> I think
3: that you can do that, but there's probably technique involved. Yeah,
1: to I'm be not honest. saying it's easy, but nothing in life worth doing is easy. There's there's timing and communication. I I yeah. think would be the key here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely timing, because it's not like I'm not like a dude that can just summon a fart. You know, right? You know, I'm I'm gonna. <sighs> Anyways, we got one more email. Thanks, Willis. This is from our buddy Timothy Dunlap. Uh, Hello, Halls and Will. This might be the first time he's written in. I was thinking about the Mandalorian this week while I was playing Jedi Fallen Order, and this made me think of getting your thoughts on something. Order 66 was used to purge the Jedi, but how do you think the Mandalorian purge might have played out? Do you think it was Vader and the Inquisitors or a surgical military operation? Timothy. Timothy. Ooh, I feel like if you are trying to purge the Mandalorians, like they're such a formidable, formidable force, and they have the dark like you might have to get Vader involved. What do you think, King Tom?
0: I think it was just a brute force, overwhelming attack, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, what, what's the term, scorched earth, where you go yeah. in, you take you take out the people, and you wipe out everything. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, That is a good question because in your Star Wars, like in my personal Star Wars fan theory, fan fiction mind, like the idea of Vader and all the Inquisitors that -hmm. would be around, like that's a neat idea of them bringing the full force of the Empire down. But then like you brought up earlier Operation Cinder, like you don't need Vader to do some crazy shit you know right. you could use some weather satellites to affect the the weather on different planets and
0: fuck them up so do, do we have any evidence for inquisitors being used for anything other than jedi hunting I don't believe so mm-hmm. I don't believe so and if the purge
1: is post rebels where is the dark saber? is the dark saber a possibility to show up in the Mandalorian at some point? I think so. That's going to look, it, man. Uh, so I have full faith in them because of how badly a baby Yoda could have been pulled off in live action. Mm-hmm. But man, the dark saber has got to be approached with care if they want to bring that into the live action. Right? Like cause yeah. that could look weird. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you think, Jesse, vader and the inquisitors or do you think military operation
3: um i i don't really see the inquisitors um i feel like they are preoccupied with jedi because especially as like force users are going to take care of other force users this is probably going to be just sheer firepower
1: yeah and it's and like tom was saying they seem so established as being for that one purpose and that one purpose only. And, you know, I don't know about you, Tom, back in the day when I thought before we had the prequels, when I thought about, you know, the Jedi getting wiped out, I always assumed it was just Vader doing it, which, you know, if you have a much smaller force than what, 10,000, 20,000 Jedi or whatever it's established or around during the prequels, you could do that. Mm -hmm. But, it makes a lot more sense that Vader would need some help. You know? Yeah, yeah. I so. don't think we knew the for- that there were that many Jedi around. No, no. And and you know, I was thinking about this. I mean, we're trying to wrap it up so we can talk about this later. But I was thinking about this this today. It's clear to me that the original plan in the original trilogy was for both Vader and Anakin to be much older in the mm-hmm. prequels. Oh, really? I think so, because look how old Alec Guinness is in A New Hope versus Ewan McGregor at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and there's at most like an 18, 19-year difference between those two.
3: How old is Vader?
1: That's the other thing. Like, when we see Vader, he's played by Sebastian Shaw, who I believe was in his 60s or 70s in but Return of the Jedi.
3: he's been badly right. injured.
1: Right. That, that one is way easier to explain than how much older Obi-Wan is. Right. And I'm fine with, and I do think it's a little funny when people are like, oh no man, living on Tatooine is tough. It it ages you fast. Like that's fine. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bother me, but I do feel like the original plan was for them to be much older in the prequels by the time that Vader became Vader and so on and so forth. All right. Well, I think that does it for us this week. Thanks guys for helping me out. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank you.
3: I'm glad uh, King Tom was on also because I didn't want to be have too much pressure as being the special guest, and he has way more <laughs> Star Wars knowledge than I do. So. You don't
1: have enough confidence in yourself. You're awesome every time you're on the the show.
3: Yeah, but I don't want to like I don't want to steer the sh- ship, man. Or I don't even want to co-pilot. Like.
1: <laughs> I don't want to steer the ship, man. Um, <laughs> King Tom, buddy, let our good listeners know where they can find you: social media.
0: Podcast, Patreon podcast, all that good stuff. I'm Tom Chansky on Twitter. Uh, I appear on the Sith list and then on Patreons for here Blue Harvest, Masters of Harvest Kasi, and shows for Steel Wars and the Bad Motivators. That's
1: right. And King Tom and I will be uh, recording uh, a special double episode. Yes. Of uh, Masters of Terrorist Kasi sometime soon. We're going to do Star Wars Uprising and... Mm-hmm star wars jedi fallen order since we both recently finished that game so if you want to hear us talk about those two games then check out uh the blue harvest patreon patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast he made that plug really easy this time Hmm. jesse my dear where can the good people find you
3: um i'm on twitter at messy hair messy with an ie hair like a bunny and uh i'm on jaws and Blue we gotta record adventures. one of those soon i know
1: yeah we got we got lots of recordings to line up which we will be doing very soon um guys if you like our theme song please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music they're stoned cobra you can find them on itunes spotify and at stonecobra.bandcamp.com if you haven't already leave us a nice five star review on itunes we're coming up on 200 reviews and that's super awesome and we really appreciate it um, and until next week when Will will be back and we will have another special guest in the seat to discuss episode 5 of the Mandalorian this has been Blue Harvest I'm Halls Burkhart
3: Jesse mcgarity
1: Tom Chansky may the force be with you
3: may the force be with all of you this is the way nailed it this nailed the it
1: way.
0: Yeah. may the force be with us